Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. This is the post-game podcast. The Minnesota Timberwolves pulled out an unexpected and exciting win over the Toronto Raptors on Thursday night at a severe rest disadvantage. The Wolves trailed by double digits in the fourth quarter. What happened? How D'Angelo Russell was awesome offensively. Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards locking down defensively on the Raptors perimeter players and also the buttons that Chris Finch pulled to push the levers that he pulled and how the Wolves pulled this one out in the end. We're going to break it all down on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And it is a victory Friday, the rare non-game day Friday. We're going to break down Wolves Raptors here in just a moment. First of all, though, a big thank you. For making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day, of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can, of course, watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app as well on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You could download that app on both Amazon Fire TV and Roku and watch all the Lockdown Minnesota podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, uh, this podcast is going to have a very different tone than Thursday's show. If you watched Wednesday night's game and or listened to the podcast, hopefully you did both on Thursday, uh, it was disappointing, right? The late game collapse against Denver, obviously no Rudy Gobert on the road, altitude, the whole thing. Thursday, I mean, I was all prepared. I had my notes ready for another kind of downer of a podcast, like another kind of, well, hey, we kind of expected this. They were at a severe rest disadvantage. Like that was the plan for the show here today. But then like the last nine minutes of the game was just, uh, basically like Marty and I talked about this on the postcast. I think maybe off air, we talked about how this was the exact flip of what we're so used to. Like this game in some ways, the Wolves win over the Raptors kind of cancels out some of these games and not necessarily the Nuggets game because Denver's good, but some of the games that the Wolves should have won, but ultimately lost and like had played well for a significant chunk of the game and then kicked it away at the end, which I guess the Denver game qualifies, you know, given those, uh, I guess, parameters. But uh, like this was not a game the Wolves looked like they were interested in competing in for the first almost three and a half quarters, three plus quarters. Um, and then all of a sudden a, a, a switch flipped for the Wolves. Uh, th- this game was leaning heavily in the direction of the Raptors. Like all my notes from the first half of this game are like, hey, the Wolves' feet look like they're in cement, right? The Wolves aren't getting back defensively, which I guess, I mean, that's like a, a an evergreen tweet, right? Like that's that's a thing all year long. But the whole first half, most of the second half up until midway through the third quarter, it was like the Wolves were not interested in competing. And again, if you missed it, the Wolves were at a severe rest disadvantage. Toronto hadn't played since Tuesday in Milwaukee, so they traveled and spent, I don't know, probably over 24 hours in Minnesota. The Wolves played at 9 p.m. Central on Wednesday night in Denver at altitude, flew to Minnesota. So we're talking roughly 19 hours from the end of Wednesday night's devastating loss, a game the Wolves should have won in Denver. 19 hours from the end of that game to the tip of Thursday's game against Toronto. And uh, Marnie was saying that the team landed, it probably didn't get home until 5 a.m. They landed around 4 a.m. at the airport. 
We're talking these guys got home around 5 a.m. They turned around, played at 7 p.m. that night and looked like it for most of this game. Until all of a sudden, with about nine minutes to play with the Wolves trailing by 14, it was just like, again, like a switch flip. There's no other way to say it. I know that's cliche, but that's really what happened. This was a 14-point game at the 9.46 mark after a three-pointer from Joe Wieskamp. Timberwolves call a timeout. They come back. D'Angelo Russell scores. And then from that point on, the Wolves outscore Toronto from the ninth, we'll call it 945 mark of the third quarter, or excuse me, fourth quarter. The Timberwolves outscore the Raptors over the final nine plus minutes of this game, 23 to seven. They close the game on a 23 to seven run. D'Lo scores 16 points in the fourth quarter. And he hit three consecutive threes. Actually, he scored 11 straight points for the Wolves. Take that back. He scored 14 straight points. So he had 16 in the fourth quarter. 14 of them were over a four-minute span from about the 945 to 530 mark of the fourth quarter. Was D'Angelo Russell just going nuts offensively? And the Wolves locking down defensively. I want to spend a lot of time on the defensive end of the ball, but we'll start with D'Lo because that's the headline grabber is the offense, right? D'Angelo Russell was that fourth quarter offense and Ant had some good moments. The Wolves had some good ball movement moments. They also had some, Nas had a couple of kind of bad moments reminiscent of what he did against Denver, but Ant hit a big three, hit some free throws. D'Lo had that, those, you know, 14 consecutive and 16 in the fourth quarter. Then the offensive execution that was completely non-existent against Denver late in that game was fantastic late in this game against Toronto. Um, there's actually a number of like really kind of in the weeds things I want to get into related to this game, but the execution down the stretch offensively is probably the the number two thing. The top thing, let's just talk about the defense now. The Wolves defensively were so bad for so much of this game. And then again, like, I don't know, I need to think of another analogy. It was it was like completely night and day from the first I don't know, 38, 39 minutes of this game to the final nine minutes of this game. The defense was horrific. We're talking the Raptors coming into this game were 30th in effective field goal percentage in the league, 29th in three-point percentage, under 30% from three-point range, or excuse me, under 33% coming into the game from three-point range, an effective field goal percentage as a team of 50.7%, which is not good. They were over 70%. Toronto was effective field goal percentage at halftime of this game. They were over 65% three-point shooting for the majority of the game. I think even going into the fourth quarter, they were over 60%. They finished the game at exactly 50%. So the Wolves, like, still for the game, those numbers are hideous. They let the Raptors shoot 52.9% from the field, 50% from the three-point line, um, and, like, just completely not characteristic of the Toronto Raptors. Like, this... Overall, the offense isn't awful for Toronto. Like it's pretty middle of the pack, but it's not because of their jump shooting. And the Wolves allowed them to look like they were the Golden State Warriors, like all the good Warriors teams from the last decade. Is what is what this looked like for much of the game, um, at least in terms of results. Another thing related to that that the Wolves could have gotten really well. Actually, no. Let's stick with let's stick with the d- defense of the fourth quarter first, and then we'll get back to some of the other stuff. Um, on the one hand, you would expect the Raptors to come back down to earth a little bit in the fourth quarter of the three-point shooting, and, and they did. But the biggest thing to me was the Wolves actually played defense. Like, there was a little bit of, like, this is nuts. How are the Raptors making all these shots? Like, there's some good fortune involved here early in the game, right? But in the fourth quarter, the Wolves earned those misses from Toronto outside of the the uh, Ananobi miss at the buzzer uh, with or with under a second to play because that was uh, that was some good fortune. He was open on that play. But for the majority of the fourth quarter, the Wolves' defense on the perimeter was really good. 
Um, it was primarily uh, Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards on the perimeter. McDaniels mostly guarding Fred Van Vliet and like Van Vliet's, Van, excuse me, Van Vliet's really good. He had 24 and 10 in this game, made four threes, but in the fourth quarter, it was Jaden McDaniels time on Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Pascal Siakam, 13 points in this game only on 16 shots. Ultra in some ultra inefficiency from Pascal Siakam. And that's mostly thanks to Anthony Edwards in the fourth quarter. Edwards, he was so, like, I hate to say this, he looked disinterested in, in exerting effort defensively. The offense was just kind of going through the motions-ish. We'll talk about turnovers here in a little bit. The first half, Ant was not good on either end of the floor until late in the second quarter. But the first quarter, first quarter and a half, Ant looked really, really bad on both ends. Late in the game, that Anthony Edwards that guarded Pascal Siakam in the fourth quarter is the Anthony Edwards that before the season I was talking about had a shot at an all-defensive third-team nod this year because the tools were there. The on-ball defense was phenomenal late last season and even into the playoffs. The um, desire that Ant has to guard the best player on the other team, we saw that again in the fourth quarter. He finally, I shouldn't say finally, I, I mean, this is one in the uh, still relatively rare instances in which Ant like truly locks in and is that all defense type defender. And that's not hyperbole. Like that's how good he was in this fourth quarter against a really good player in Pascal Siakam. And that's how good he can be on a semi-regular basis, hopefully a regular basis moving forward. But McDaniels and Edwards together were so good on the perimeter. I thought the activity was good, even in the paint. Both McDaniels and Nas Reed, Kyle Anderson, active hands, getting into passing lanes, stuff that this team doesn't often do, period. Didn't do for the majority of this game. And all of a sudden, against a Raptors team that usually passes the ball pretty crisply, doesn't turn it over, this Wolves team is getting into passing lanes. I want to finish that point here in a second. And then I want to get into a handful of things that the Wolves somehow somehow won a few categories that I wasn't expecting them to. And that's part of the reason they were in position at least to come away with the win in this one. So we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's time to achieve your goals in 2023 and hiring the right team member just might help you do that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockdownNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I want to finish my point on the late game defense by the Wolves. McDaniels and Edwards were very almost solely responsible for the activity on the perimeter. Reed, McDaniels, and also Kyle Anderson inside. I, I was talking about how the Raptors don't turn the ball over very often. They're actually, uh, the Raptors are 
are the best team in the league at not turning the ball over, which is one of the reasons why they have a middle-of-the-pack offense despite having such a terrible effective field goal per shooting percentage and terrible three-point shooting percentage because they don't turn it over and they draw fouls. They did draw fouls in this game at a pretty uh, you know, standard clip for them, but they also turned it over. Like This is a Raptors team that averages less than 12 turnovers per game. They turned it over 16 times in this game. Only two of them came in, this, in the fourth quarter, by my count, um, so it wasn't a, really a ton of turnovers. There's a really bad Juancho Hernan Gomez one that stands out, but there were a couple in the fourth quarter. But it was really more about sloppy possessions that the Wolves were causing because of their activity defensively. Their rotations were crisp. Their hands were in passing lanes. Uh, they were making the Raptors work for the few shots that they did get, and they just didn't make very many shots. Again, the Wolves closed on a, what did I say, 24, 25 to 7 run in this game. Um, so making what's normally a crisp, at least a clean Raptors offense, not look very clean. Uh, this is also another reason why the Raptors have a decent offense despite their bad jump shooting is that they score a lot of second chance points normally. They only had eight offensive rebounds in this game. The Raptors came into this game fourth in offensive rebound percentage, and that's something I was deathly afraid of. The Wolves continue to be a very bad defensive rebounding team. And with no Rudy Gobert, who's one of the league's best defensive rebounders, the Wolves managed to only be a minus one on the glass in this game, and it was a wash on the offensive boards. The Wolves had eight offensive rebounds. The Raptors had eight offensive rebounds. That, to me, is the biggest statistic in this entire game. The Raptors shot 50% from the three-point line, 53% from the field, essentially. The reason the Wolves were able to come back and win this game is because they limited second-chance point opportunities, and they forced 16 turnovers, which are not things that the Wolves typically do a really good job at, or I should say... Not well, the first thing the Wolves don't do a good job at limiting second chance points. Well, the Wolves do an okay job at forcing opponent turnovers. The Raptors simply don't turn the ball over. So those things were not necessarily expected in this particular game. So those are big reasons for this win for Minnesota. Uh, pretty unexpected. And then you piggyback on top of that, the fact that the Raptors crushed the Wolves in points in the paint. With no Rudy Gobert, Toronto had 62 points in the paint. Minnesota only had 46 and in almost every game this season, and I, I guess I should go back, it'd be interesting to go back and look and see out of, what are we at, game 47, how many of those the Wolves won points in the paint. Even games the Wolves lose, oftentimes they're winning the points in the paint battle because of Gobert, uh, when Towns was healthy because of Towns. But, you know, Ant gets into the paint a bunch. Uh, you know, Nas is down there quite a bit. Offensive rebounding. You know, the Wolves usually win points in the paint. They were a minus 16 in points in the paint against Toronto. They were also beat by 11 points in, in fast break points. Toronto was a plus 11 in fast break. So the Wolves were minus 16 in points to the paint, minus 11 in fast break points. They gave up 50% shooting from three, but the reason they won is because they forced 16 turnovers and they limited second chance points. That's it. And of course, then we talked about the D'Lo performance offensively in the fourth quarter, and we'll talk more individually about, I mean, a handful of Wolves players that played extremely well in this game. Um, but... The work on the on the defensive glass in general, and uh, the work on uh, enforcing turnovers and, and making the Raptors work for like again, the Raptors had seventy six points at halftime in this game. They scored seventy six in the first half. They had another thirty three in the third quarter. So all three of the first three quarters had at least thirty three points. The Wolves only gave up seventeen points in the fourth quarter. And and I don't know how else to say it other than a switch was actually flipped at the 945 mark in the fourth quarter. It doesn't really make sense on paper um, or on the floor if you were watching this game, how this happened. My last thing before I get to individual studs and duds is I thought Chris Finch had an outstanding game. 
Um, he's taken some flack and, and a lot of it is deserved because of this team underperforming so far this season. Like he's the head coach. He deserves some of the blame. Uh, but like the timeout management, I, I very rarely get on Finch. I thought the timeout management was poor at the end of the Denver game. I thought there were some things he could have done differently. There were some ATOs that weren't ran very well. He called some really nice ATOs in this game. Um, there was actually after that timeout in the fourth quarter, the Wolves ran a similar action twice. I forgot to talk about this with Marnie, but they ran, um, it was like a mid fourth quarter timeout, mid late fourth quarter. I don't remember the time mark of, of the timeout, but the Wolves ran a horn set that had Kyle Anderson and D'Angelo Russell at the elbows, elbows extended. And then Anthony Edwards as part of the action. And basically Anderson ends up rolling to the basket and it, it ended in a turnover the first time or maybe a missed shot. And then a couple of possessions later, the Wolves got back into it and they got a bucket out of it. It was a really, really smart set, taking advantage of Anderson's playmaking ability and cutting and size, uh, the size advantage he had against, um, well, actually the Wolves didn't really have a size advantage in this game against the Raptors, but Anderson's overall, he, he has good size and obviously good feel and all those things. And also the dynamic ability of Anthony Edwards, the passing ability of D'Angelo Russell, having those three involved in actions like a horn set is so smart and that the timing of it was perfect in this game. It calmed the wolves down, got them into an actual set because ant tried to go a little bit hero ball mode. Delo was going, I mean, Delo was scoring, but Finch got out ahead of like this thing devolving. Like we saw happen against Denver, right? I mean, late in that game, what they didn't score the final two fifty seven, right? Delo hit that three against the nuggets, the final two fifty or so of the game, the wolves didn't score because it devolved into hero ball devolved into like, you know, Nas firing a pass against the stanchion from outside. The, like, it was awful. Finch made sure to have control of this game from a, a play-calling perspective, and he's not going to get a ton of credit for it, but I thought that was really big. I also thought he pushed the right buttons, pulled the right levers when it came to substitution pattern. Um, this second night of a back-to-back second game in 19 hours, right, which is shouldn't happen, but it did. And he was able to get, what, 11 guys into the game, only one starter, well, two starters played over 35 minutes in this game. Jaden McDaniels played 37 because he wasn't in foul trouble, which is great. Anthony Edwards played 40 because that's what Ant does. But Kyle Anderson and D'Angelo Russell only had to play 34 minutes, which is a heavy load on a back-to-back, but it's less than they typically would play. Nas only played 22 minutes because he picked up three early fouls, but then stayed out of foul trouble the rest of the game. And I thought Finch did a really good job of, like, Nate Knight played those nine first quarter minutes after Nas went out with foul trouble. Garza had the backup center minutes the rest of the way. Um, Jalen Noel and Torian Prince kind of played their regular minutes load, but he stole three minutes with Wendell Moore Jr., a couple short stints there. Matt Ryan played six minutes, end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter. It was like just the right timing throughout the game when Finch had guys in to steal some minutes here and there. And yeah, everyone on the bench finished with a negative plus minus, but like you had to play those guys, right? And the way he staggered the bench, the way he leaned on guys for just the right amount of time, the way he stole a few minutes here and there for the starters to rest, that, I mean, those guys had enough juice at the end of this game because of how Finch managed the rotation. And I think he needs to get credit for that. I thought that was really brilliant throughout this game. And I don't think it's something Finch does a lot of. And I honestly think he could do more. Like, we're not talking, this isn't the playoffs, right? Like, you don't get multiple days off. You're not going to play Ant 42 minutes. Uh, well, he played 40. But you're not going to play all your starters 40 to 43 minutes, right? Steal some moments here and there. Get everybody involved. You know, get get some of these bench guys. Keep Wendell Moore in like that three to five minute role. Like those things are going to matter in the long run. And then in the playoffs, sure, play your starters 40 plus minutes. But right now, 
the Wolves need some of these guys to be fresh. They're about to go into a really tough stretch of the schedule, the Wolves are. So um, I like the idea of working in a few more guys into the rotation at this point in the season. All right, let's close with individual studs and duds. A lot of guys played well in the starting lineup for the Wolves, so we're going to get into that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious you won't think that they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't even need to wait around to get a box either. For years on Lockdown Wolves, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. You can still do that, but now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, just run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro, and you can thank me later. All right, uh, let's talk individual studs and duds. And this is a this was less fun against Denver, uh, but it's it's fun in this one. We got we have some guys that played really well. Uh, we first have to shout out, of course, D'Angelo Russell because of the close to this game. He only had four points at halftime, was pretty quiet throughout, but he had 16 fourth quarter points. Had those 14 straight at one point, and was was really really good down the stretch. 25 points. 8 of 15 shooting, 5 of 10 from outside the arc, so better than 50% from the field and uh, 50% from the arc. 4 of 4 at the line, 6 assists, 2 steals, 1 rebound, 1 block. He did have 4 turnovers, but this was a good D-low game strictly because of the fourth quarter. But like without that D-low fourth quarter, this thing's not, the Wolves probably lose by double figures, honestly. I mean, they were down 14 before he decided to go all flamethrower on, on everybody, and, and he was really good. There's no denying that. Uh, it's the sort of thing that D-low can do. Um, and he was... He was good D'Lo in the fourth quarter of this game. The best all-around player on the floor for the Wolves in this game had to have been Kyle Anderson, or it was Kyle Anderson. 20 points on a ridiculously efficient 8 of 9 shooting from the field, 2 of 2 outside the arc, 2 of 3 at the line, 20, uh, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, so a 20-10-6 and six game, 2 steals and a block, only 1 turnover in a game where the Wolves were once again turnover happy, actually... Uh, what, 13 of their 15 turnovers, get this, were between D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Nas Reed. 13 of the 15. Kyle Anderson had one of the other ones. Torian Prince had the only other one. Um, but, I mean, like, look at Kyle Anderson's game log of late. The triple-double was two games ago. Last game, he had 13-11-8. This game, 20-10-6. So he has three consecutive double, well, a triple-double, a two double-doubles. Over the last three games, seven steals. A block each game. Like, he's playing absolutely out of his mind. He's averaging what? Is that a... Yeah, eight assists per game over the last three for Kyle Anderson. Um, Has to be close to the best stretch of his career. I think Marnie said on the postcast that 
Kyle Anderson was asked after the game if this is the best stretch of his career. And he said, yeah, a couple years ago in Memphis, I maybe was playing a little better, basically. But besides that, phenomenal. Like, best player on the floor in this game, period, for either team. I know that Van Vliet played really well. I know Scotty Barnes put up, I think, a season high uh, in 29 points and 15 shot. Like, Scotty Barnes was great. Kyle Anderson, like, he ran this game. He was fantastic. My third stud is going to be Jaden McDaniels. Uh, another awesome game from Jaden McDaniels. 18 points, 7 rebounds, 50% from the floor. 7 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 outside the arc. I think he made 3 of his first 4 from deep. He missed a couple late. Uh, but he made up for those late misses with fantastic late defense. Consecutive 18-point games for Jaden McDaniels. Consecutive games where he shot over 50%. He was 7 of 10 last game. And uh, now over the last two games, he's 6 of 10 from outside the arc. Denver and Toronto. So do the math, 60%. Easy math, right? 10 rebounds combined. So over the last two games, he's averaging 18 points, 5 rebounds, 3 made threes per game on 60% shooting. Also averaging two blocks over the last two games. He had three blocks yesterday or Wednesday night, one block against uh, against Toronto. And mostly stayed out of foul trouble. Finished with four fouls, but wasn't impacted. His minutes load was not impacted by foul trouble in this game. We're going to look up this weekend, uh, you know, check out, well, as you're listening to this now, go check out some of the different advanced metrics and see where Jaden McDaniels is, is sitting now because these ultra-efficient games are doing wonders for for what all of those metrics are going to say about Jaden McDaniels. Like he's going from a, a rotation guy to like a legit bona fide NBA all around starting caliber player uh, very quickly because he is, I spent this Wednesday show. I spent a whole segment talking about how the metrics have not done him justice. The defensive metrics because of his poor defensive rebounding, dragging him down, um, dragging some of those advanced metrics down. The on-ball defense is elite. It just is. Um, and he grabs seven rebounds in this game, which is only the second time this month he's had more than uh, six or more rebounds in a game. And uh, I, I actually should pull this, but I want to say he's only got like five or six games where he's had more than six rebounds all season. I think six games where he's had six or more rebounds all season long. Um yeah, six, maybe seven. It might be seven games, uh, but not a whole lot, right? And this was a, a good rebounding game for McDaniels. But again, the on-ball defense, especially late, especially on Fred Van Vliet, a guy who had a fantastic game and is a really good player. Jaden came to play. Uh, really, really strong game again for Jaden McDaniels and him to be shining the way he is. These last two games, no Carl Anthony Towns, no Rudy Gobert on an island defensively. And he he did it. He did what he needed to do. Uh, talking duds from this game, I don't know. I don't really have any from this one. I've been doing that more lately. But like Nas had the foul trouble. The numbers don't, aren't eye-popping, but I thought he played well when he was on the floor, especially late in the game. The defense was good. Prince had a miserable plus-minus. He Like nobody on the team had... He was the only guy that had a plus-minus worse than minus seven, and Prince was a minus 23. I, like I don't think that Prince was like actively bad in this game. I think that's more fluky than anything else. Nobody really played poorly. From Minnesota. I thought this was a well-played... Let me rephrase that. Down the stretch, nobody played poorly. The first three and a half quarters, collectively as a team, they played poorly. Um, but in general, because it's such a high-scoring game, the box score stats all look nice. Most of the turnovers were from the guys who came through in the fourth quarter. Russell Edwards, Nas defensively. There's not too much to gripe about You know, when, when you pull out this, this type of a win. On the flip side, 
for Toronto, yikes. I mean, massive rest advantage, a healthy Raptors squad. I mean, they have their starting lineup intact. Starting lineup with Van Vliet and an OB Siakam plus Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. should not be coughing up a 14-point lead to a Wolves team with no Carl Thitty Towns and no Rudy Gobert. Like, that should not happen. Um, and, I mean, Nick Nurse just won Coach of the Year a couple years ago. And, and uh, I mean, just last year won, what, 48 games, I believe? Um, after, you know, a year removed from being below 500. Like, I don't know. I can't imagine that he would get fired, but like they should not be six games under 500. And this is not a game they should have lost. I mean, if the tables were turned, people would be this, this would be close to like a Pistons level loss, honestly, like obviously the wolves are better than the Pistons, but you talk about the rest advantage and, and how injured the wolves were and the double digit mid fourth quarter lead. Yikes. All right. Uh, that's it for this one. This is a fun one. It was, it was a really good game to win. Unexpected. If you had told me at any point in the first three and a half quarters the Wolves were, that the Wolves were going to win the game, I would have called you a liar. I, I would not have thought that things turned out the way that they did. Uh, next up, the Wolves are back at it again. No game Friday night, but they're back at it Saturday um, at at Houston. I know it's I know it's a home at home. I don't know if it's at Houston or in Minnesota. I think it's at Houston. No, I flipped it. At home against Houston on Saturday, 7 p.m. tip, and then they go to Houston on Monday night, so the home and home against the Houston Rockets, and then things get real tough. You go Pelicans, Memphis, two Sacramento games, Golden State. That is five consecutive games against some really, really good competition, tough competition. Um, so, anyway, we have that to look forward to. But right now, Houston Saturday, we'll do the live postcast with Barney Gellner on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel immediately following, or forty-five minutes following that game. And then a Monday show, we'll talk a little bit from Saturday's game and we'll look ahead to Monday night's game against that same Rockets team. Um, so we'll have that for you on Monday. But if you haven't already subscribed to the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel, please do. You'll be notified when Marnie and I go live Saturday. And if you can't watch it live, you can watch or you can listen to it or watch it. You can watch it on the YouTube channel after the fact or listen to it. If you're listening audio right now, the, the last episode before this one was the postcast from Wolves Raptors Thursday night with myself and Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North. So check that out. Post all the audio of the postcast to the Lockdown Wolves audio feeds as well. So a big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's greatly appreciated. Of course, you can watch on YouTube. You can listen on any of your favorite audio platforms. You can watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. And as always, you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. The Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now make your second listen to Game to Game NBA podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time.